0: Boom. Yeah. Boom. Maybe so. Maybe I'm just sassy. No. It's possible. No one would ever accuse you of that. Never.
1: Welcome to Products of Grace, a podcast by Mercy Hill Church. My name is Lawson Harlow, and today I have with me Don Terrell and Blake McCullough. So, Don,
2: what are we doing today? What are we doing today? So today... We are. I mean, I guess endeavoring. Endeavoring is a good word. Mm. Sh- striking out on. Like striking out is in going. Yeah, or three a strikes, word? you're out. No, no, no. Okay. No. Uh, a manifesto. And that's the title of today's episode, which doesn't really tie back to any previous episode. But what does? What does tie back is our so Lawson segment. <laughs> so. <much> <laughs> <said>. <laughs> have you noticed you're still holding at 515 <laughs> five <percent? laughs> you know it's funny i just I, want to unfollow it now i don't ever <laughs> notice <next> week.
1: <laughs> i don't ever notice until you say something about it and then afterward i noticed that i had actually gone to 514 and then back to 515 so somebody's
0: dropping and then back you? to 514 and then back to 515 all week long this is happening yeah it's i don't know i don't really I'm i mean people are like deactivating their accounts and then like <clears> getting back on well i'm like like that, yeah. I would assume social media fasting. I've probably they got, like announced it on Facebook. It's not a thing there.
1: Like when I started back on Twitter, I had like three hundred followers or something like that, like three twenty. Wow, yeah. and probably half of those or more were non-existent created accounts created. they you made. Well, no, no, uh, no, like people <laughs> from high school. <laughs> yeah, their burner emails yeah. he made. Yeah, <laughs> but I actually am currently at five seventeen. <laughs> oh so really I just pulled watch. it up on I've, the way here yeah I, I make friends no, quick. quit
0: texting and dropping I have no, I have light. two new friends <laughs> no, <it's funny. laughs>
1: and actually one is from comedy and the other is what's from, comedy uh someone said this is a guy named Kofi and hold on I gotta find this it made me laugh
0: oh you said it and they thought you were funny no so they he tweeted
1: you? something that I thought was that I thought was funny and um
0: oh, you followed or no him.
1: He, and then <laughs> I had to respond in humor So now I've got to find what I said. Oh, here we go. Oh, my goodness. He's doing it again.
2: Long stories.
1: Does anyone (laughs) die? Nobody (laughs) dies. But now I can't even find the tweet. All right, so speaking of numbers. Yeah, whatever. 2,700. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Mm -hmm. I didn't quite grasp how unpopular young earth creationism was until I ran an innocent Google search. You'd think we were Neanderthals who thought there was cheese on the moon, to which I said, wait, there's no cheese.
2: <laughs> so, 2,700. 2,700. <laughs> we didn't laugh on purpose. Yeah, okay. So, 2,700. No, really, it really was really funny.
1: 2,700? Yeah. yeah.
2: Speaking of numbers.
1: Okay. Speaking of numbers.
2: Is the amount of views that our Instagram reel it's has true. garnered? That Instagram reel actually was it a surprise. Really it did. was a surprise and it blessed me yeah, greatly. I thought you were going to say bless. It blessed me too. Yeah. It was it was well done. Happy to. Is that is that part of the new marketing team's?
0: Uh, because you almost fired him the other so day. <laughs> a, a sweet brother. A sweet 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 brother. Yeah. He Man said brother. we should have we should have reels. Uh-huh. But apparently he meant the podcast should have reels. Mm. So once once this reel wears off, I'll I'll work on a podcast. Reel. I don't know, I like that reel. Well, yeah, but I mean we I can't it do it every week. It's really reel. real. Yeah, it gives you a glimpse of like what it would be so, like if you. This came is here. weird. So I was like, I really could get some good shots of the service, like some really artistic. Yeah, <laughs> but like I would definitely be in the way. No, you just dress all in black. I would look like a fanboy, like a Lawson fanboy. <laughs> like I was like, if I could like get Beta up front, mail. <laughs> just, if I could get up front while like we were doing the table, and I could just like get uh, really no, close. Bro it would be distracting but it would yeah, make it would a be. really good video mm. so anyway i'll tell um, you
1: i'm i'm hijacking this no so Lawson. so the, i'll tell the, you that on oh sunday one of my favorite one of my favorite moments ever this sunday was when we had the exact amount of cups won't we'll do it and it blessed me because for like ever since we started doing the table with this particular table i've always longed for the day where there would be nothing left on it mm. and so that day arrived and it was a blessing to me okay now you can go about with you your your lesser things. Because you took, I grabbed the one yep. piece of bread. The good man,
2: bread. good man. I mean, uh, the last. They man were actually the last three or four cup. people that did that. We don't want to. It's all about narrative, not about yeah, politics. yeah. yeah. Sorry. All right, so here's the so Lawson se- uh, segment of this episode. Yeah, <clears throat> I can't wait for the next time when it's just me and Blake here. The gambling episode. Is so done. <laughs> the gambling episode. <laughs> yeah. The last week's episode. Yeah. Our number one fan and our toughest critic also your wife says yes (laughs) says this about our says this about our best friend or Mm -mm, just my wife this (laughs) (laughs) it's the highest office i can bestow (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) all right so our toughest critic says this about our prior episode on gambling i'm into the first 30 minutes and y'all are all over the place y'all have done nothing but jump around and i'm sure you've and and i don't think you've decided anything coherently we did so i said on twitter this week on twitter this week this is Mm. what i posted you did yeah we did no we didn't post anything. the podcast did somehow the podcast knew (laughs) what needed to be said it's a dear brother primary podcast lead host as the primary lead host of your Christian podcast we selflessly lead our co-host even when they disregard our notes are temperamental tell long off-script stories show contempt Where no one dies. and even pouted us to be a lead host to selfless hashtag spare me <laughs> I don't remember pouting not last week but. you know no knowed me last week he no no knows me several times like he's gonna talk. He cuts me off. He's he got to get it, to it out. Silence. Yes. Yeah. And so hold on. Don't do it again. No. 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 <laughs> See. No. 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 We. I had a whole script on where we were going to go. You I didn't did. want to talk about gambling. We. Derailed I just. You, wanted you to told talk. us we were talking about um, gambling. We, that's, that's your fault. That's hundred we percent on you. I said, do you want to pregame the podcast? <laughs> no, you lead us. So and here's, you lied. Here's what's funny. <laughs> you the entire, lie. the
1: entire. <laughs> everybody I've talked to
2: about this podcast, I got
1: on. I was talking with. Uh, we don't have a nickname. Yeah, I was for him. all snotty. Andrew, I hated it. I Andrew it and I, away. Andrew and I are talking, and, and he's like, "I'll be honest, bro, I'm 40 minutes in this podcast, and I'm like, I don't know if I want to finish this." Yeah, one. and I'm like, "I yeah, don't blame yeah, you." Me too. Bro. Had, it only took uh, me like 12. One minutes. One of my friends from seminary texts me, and he's like, "Hey man, I just listen to your podcast. Really enjoyed." I'm like, "Which one did you listen to?" He said, "Oh, the one on the one on gambling." And I was like, "Please don't. Listen, pick another one. Like, and now I have a new one that I want to delete. Right? It's like, if I had to, if I, but you if I, did if I, it. If I no, 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 did no, it. no, no, no yeah, you want to delete." I, I had your to own pick work. three, if I had to pick three, I would pick the the tiny episode where we find out that I beat Julie in ping pong. Yeah, ouch! And winter, uh, winter chicken dinner. Winter chicken Julie. dinner. Julie, and then <laughs> the <laughs> one that was the ping pong match, and now this one, the one you made, the gambling one. I didn't make that one. You led me. You just
2: didn't lead me well. I, so the whole reason <clears throat> I brought up the erm um and the thumbum was the to show the that conversation it was to move the conversation. And so we
0: removed it. He's like, "I got ninety-five Bible verses on gambling over here, Don." And I was like, oh my "I was gosh. prepared. I do feel I, I feel a little responsible. I got a little passionate about." So sports I wanted betting. to talk about yeah. Jesus and the, he did discourse
1: order.
2: on sports
0: betting. I really did enjoy that part. See, I really did. Sometimes you just got to no know loss and win is a good derailment uh, and when's a bad derailment. I do what I want. Mm. Mm. Yeah, you do. Obviously, yeah. To the so that was of our, our how dare how dare I <laughs>
2: that was our public <laughs> apology. We're sorry. We are. We're sorry for Lawson. (laughs) We are. (laughs) All right, speaking of public, we went public with our Grizzlies watch party. We did. We did. And I have to say this to avoid offending anybody, because I only had six tickets. So I discovered why they they do, why other churches do age ministries, to not offend certain people. You know, it's like- Can't leave anybody out. Yeah, it's like, that's the seniors ministry. So it's an artificial boundary. Yeah, so that you, so that artificial. you can you can exclude certain people. So we were going to call and last still be night. Nice about it. Gotcha. Our Mercy Hill Young Men's Ministry. <laughs> but you, you were just there. wanted to be called a young man. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> we were chaperones, or I was a chaperone. <laughs> <laughs> we were chaperones. I mean, I was older than everyone else. You brought a baby. You. I did bring a baby. And that kid sat there the
2: whole time and watched the grizzlies. That like boy a loves jam. the grizzlies. On another
1: note, if anybody is offended by that, I was not invited either.
2: I mean Well you've you've aged out. <laughs> you're not a young <laughs> man. have I forty one. <laughs> forty two.
0: Forty two, I'm sorry. I,
2: but it was mine to lead. You have to have an elder statesman lead. It's the
0: it's the under thirty men's group. Yeah.
2: So we went and there was a heckler in our group. <laughs> yes, there was. Bro. Ben? Nope. Braden has a gift. <laughs> he
0: does. He if has a this piercing this man voice. doesn't
2: start amening and service and stuff, like if his amen ever comes out in church, it will pierce the walls. Lawson, <laughs> you'll just like pause and be like, thank yes. you, Braden." Yes. So Serge Ibaka, a very famous basketball player that of plays old. for, of old, but he's still in the league. He's yeah. a, he's, about he's to kind of out. buried on the bench yeah. for the opposing team of the Grizzlies. But he's still cashing in. Yes. Yeah. So Brady starts chanting, we want a BACA. Oh. We want a BACA. And it catches on. It catches on. <laughs>
0: like just, There's just pockets of
2: people. Yes, the arena them. begins to, yeah. to feel the energy that we have a game within a game. Okay, it's, the game has gotten out of hand. The Grizzlies are winning by yeah. 30. It's yeah, boring. Got and now it becomes the game of, can we convince <laughs> Tyron Lue... The coach of the L.A. Clippers to put in
0: Serge Ibaka. It was the most beautiful. He's hilarious. been that way since we were since he was fifteen. Uh, every sporting event I've ever been to with Brayden. I think there's been like three it now. Yeah. he has been like that.
2: Yeah, he's fun. So you know what I don't appreciate is the next day you get a text from somebody <laughs> okay. that says I've got the flu. <laughs>
0: Who has the flu? Who has the flu? <laughs> I
2: can't tell you. That's that's
0: HIPAA, bro. Yeah, mouth it to me. No.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and they were there with
1: you
0: it's they me were. Austin. i'm just kidding they were that's they hilarious were there. yeah i don't appreciate it
2: i'm gonna literally text all of them right now <clears throat> so we text back and i'm like okay <laughs> number one i really want to tell you i don't ever want to know those things <laughs> number two i hope you get better did they give you anything and so i said i think he said he only had like a shot and some other meds mm. i said dude you know what you need to ask for forgiveness Iver, no ivermectin <laughs> holy moly if we talk about congratulations, ivermectin congratulations our podcast is now flagged it's dead if we talk no about more. ivermectin on this podcast <laughs> and we hashtag it in the episode details we'll get blocked on twitter <laughs>
0: people want to listen dude people want to listen <laughs> <laughs> just na- charles name this the ivermectin episode yes the, 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 the characters go on the record on ivermectin <laughs> yes Oh, that's the best
1: got some Horsty wormer yep all right also some nobel prize winning horse worm. Hey, i got
0: beef flavored at the house oh yes, for 12, your dog twelve dollars a pill so it's for
1: moses so it's probably sat it's probably enough for any other human being yeah it's like a it's up it's
0: guaranteed up to like 140 pounds yeah so
2: all right all right so also also on twitter this week our podcast produced a meme <laughs> and it produced the meme of the guy driving, and he pulls up someplace. Uh, it's, gives a hard it's a good look, meme. It's a good it in meme. in reverse. So the thing that he focuses on, the object that's making him throw it in reverse, throw it in reverse, is the little Twitter bird. Yeah. The follow button. Yep. And the wordle. Yep. This this was this this meme was taken and placed on the products of meme page by our master memer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And totally isogeded. Is that even a word? Yeah. Isegesis. Yeah. Okay. He is mm. the meme. Above the meme, he says, I, mean, I can't even believe he says this. He says, Wordle has taken our church by storm. Step your game up. Bring your A game. So he was focused in on the quality of the Wordle game that was posted uh, in that object, uh, not wow. Wordle itself. Wow. Wow. So wow. now he's really, I mean, I'm going to bring you. If Wordle has taken our church yeah. by storm, mm. I'm concerned.
1: Is that every wind of doctrine? <laughs> yeah, it is. Tossed to two in front that uh, everybody be getting tossed.
2: I, this is uh, a real life thing. Uh, I was going to follow a guy on Twitter or the the podcast was. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I was scrolling through his feed. Then but you I saw the saw Wordle, Wordle. Uh-uh. brother. I'm, <laughs> I'm telling out. you, brother. I'm telling brother, you, brother. You can you can mute words. Where if that word is in a tweet, you don't see it. People are talking about it all the time now on Twitter. They're muting the word wordle. So even if you follow someone and they tweet about wordle, you can't see it.
1: Wow.
0: Yeah. Julie made me play wordle
2: the other day. She said you have to. Weak male headship. (laughs) She said you have to. Bro, it's fun. You know what word it was? What?
0: Elder. Oh, yeah, it was. I was like, look at there. It was the day I made the (laughs) meme. it was so hard for me to get it that day. And I was like,
2: wow. All right. (laughs) So with that gentleman,
0: y'all should play no you don't have here. to post it i don't post it anymore
2: so with that gentleman, <laughs> right, hey guys oh, sorry. Sorry. i'm down, sorry. Here. Sorry. We're back. I'm down sorry. here sorry so with that gentleman here here that's all i got <laughs> Here, here is a shortened version of hear ye, hear ye, which goes back to British Parliament in the 1600s, if not earlier. Mm. The expression was and is used to draw attention to what someone is saying. It implies agreement with the speaker or in modern times, the writer. I have a historical article on it.
0: We don't have to read I it. I want to read it. I'd like to.
2: It comes from <laughs> Oyez, Oyez, Oyez. When you get publicly outvoted. This is the call or cry of the town crier. Mm-hmm. Now, usually only heard at ceremonials and local events, it would, however, been a common cry on the streets of middle, medieval England. And its pr- oh, Oyez is pronounced oye. Excuse me, oye, oye, oye. Comes from the French o u i r, which is to listen and means hear ye. Hmm. The town crier would begin his cry with these words, accompanied by the ringing of a large handbell to attract attention it was the job of the crier or bellman to inform the townspeople of the latest news proclamations bylaws and any other important information as at this time most folks were <laughs> I don't know why that's
0: funny most folks were illiterate and could not read I don't
2: know why that's funny bro it's not you funny me. it's like the,
0: the great ancestor to the newspaper
2: and the cry would end with do you know what the cry would end with God save the king or God save the queen
0: wow I know I appreciate that I do too we should bring that back we should
2: all right let the reader understand let's go there it's matthew 24 15 through 16
0: i feel like people put that on twitter all all the time really yeah what it is yeah let the the reader reader understand. understand huh what did you say matthew what Matthew, you always do this. Matthew twenty four, fifteen through sixteen. Matthew, so, what? I'm just, I'm just thinking about what I want to say next. I can't listen to you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so the title of today's oh, yes. episode is the manifesto. What did you say? I said, oh yeah, it's the abomina- abomination of desolation. Desolation. <laughs> One of you cool cats want to read it? <laughs>
0: what, what was it again? <laughs> Uh, you want to
1: read it? No, no, no I'm only going to speak
0: when I'm asked to speak. Oh, okay. I knew you'd be sassy. <laughs> I'll read it. <laughs> Matthew 24:15 and 16. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. That's it.
2: All right. So our next passage is let the hearer hear, <laughs> which is Mark four I don't know how much y'all how much y'all want to read of this mark four I mean what's the options all of it Mm, we probably don't want to read all of it there's one particular verse it's like a whole page it is a whole page I wanted to highlight mark four let's see I've got highlighted verse 12 so maybe why don't we read one through 12 is that too much is that podcast? Is that podcast pushing it? No. Awesome. We read four, one through twelve. Yeah, we got to.
1: Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables. And in this teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell away, thorns and thorns, thorns, whoa, fell among thorns. Sorry, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing, and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, "He who has ears to hear, let him hear." Through twelve. Do you want to read through twelve? Sure. Yeah. Okay. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables, and he said to them to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of god but for those outside everything is in parables so that so that they may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand lest
2: they should turn and be forgiven all right so i have a quote from john piper ready ready i found this in my bible i think it's from like 2012 oh wow. it's on a piece of notebook paper see
0: so I, I graduated high school
2: really it was a very very meaningful quote so I'm going to carry it, I'm going to carry it into the podcast. Right? Okay, do. sweet. All right. Sweet, so, John. Here we goes. Here we goes. Here's we go. Here's <laughs> we going. All right. For, from, so the Bible, this is about the Bible. Yeah. The Bible answers. This is what it answers. From what am I being saved? Oh, yeah. In our culture, which is increasing a post-Christian culture, you can't assume that the word saved means anything or salvation means anything. Our, we have to get our our hearts and our heads straight with the matter. Mm. The big issue is God's wrath. We live in such a touchy-feely time that Christianity is being so psychologized and even therapeutized that we really do believe that the Bible was written for our mental health. Mm. Well, it wasn't. It was written to help us get right with a wrathful God. God is one great massive fire of holiness. He hates sin and cannot abide it. The problem in the universe isn't our failing marriages, our fragile health, our wayward children, conflicts at work. The problem that the Bible was written to deal with is, I have no hope of drawing near to God without being consumed because I am a sinner. And the reality is Jesus takes us into the center of the fire so that we can enjoy it forever. And he ends with, don't let the Bible be trivialized. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like when you, think about, when you think about the Bible and the purpose of the Bible, what do you think, like, if there was one section of scripture that would be a complete manifesto of the Bible? Like, is there a section of Like, I have one. Have I shared this with y'all? I think I've shared this with y'all. I don't know if it registered with you, because I text a lot. Like, if you had to sum up, like, one section of scripture that clearly articulated the hope of the ages.
1: Hope of the day.
0: I was about to do that. <clears throat> you have yours. I'm yeah, thinking I of several. I, I think of one like off the top of my head right now, though. All right, share it. I was thinking about John 20. <laughs> okay, it was John 27? Which is really the purpose of John, but I think it's, the Bible's cohesive. John 20, 30, 31. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son mm. of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Mm. It's like a short and sweet one,
1: yeah. Um, mine would be Luke uh, twenty four. Ooh, I love Luke twenty four. <clears throat> Luke twenty four. I too 40. love the Bible. Yes, same. <laughs> Luke twenty four forty four. I
2: <laughs> loved Luke twenty four forty four. <laughs> no. I really do. I have it underlined. <laughs> what? Wow, crazy! <laughs> that well, this that's like,
0: is seventy five percent of the other verses in your Bible. True.
1: Uh, this is what it says. Then he said to them. These are. This is Jesus post resurrection. Then he said to them, "These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. That everything written about me in the law and Moses, the law of Moses, and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled." Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, "Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer, and on the third day be raised from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem."
2: All right, here's mine. I was gonna say something else, but what were you gonna say, Don? Were you gonna say say, I'll say it after this. Okay. Mine's John one. Yeah? John one I think I said one through eighteen. I'll read it. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it.
0: I'll answer you. Is there a
2: connection there between manifestation and, and manifesto? Because yeah. I, I ended like my the reason why my brains there is like no one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Mm-hmm. You know, He has manifested among us. You know, He tabernacled among us.
0: Yeah, I don't know. That's what I was thinking. I mean? mean, I think that they it's the same root. Mm-hmm. A manifesto is like isn't that like your your revealing of who you are at the at the most core is that what that? I think. I mean, I think that's one. I think that's one way to interpret it. Yeah, I mean, I think that. Normally, they're associated
2: with like psychopaths. <laughs> like, this is how. This is why I'm the way I am. Yeah, like most people that have like an axe to grind with society write like a manifesto before they like you know go yeah. off the deep end. But yeah. the, but the, but this is like when you're thinking about so this episode comes from a place where it's like to sit in to sit in church and to hear you know to hear teachings and to and to be in a place in, in scriptures uh, in the scriptures that you know it seems like you know you, you i think what's often i think most often taught is like you're you're david yeah you know what i'm saying like you're like you're like we're trying to figure out how to encourage you by making you the central focus mm. of the scripture, you know, and like, mm-hmm. like I eisege- you know, just mm-hmm. making the listener, the, the key figure of the text of any text that you find. I think that's like, I don't know. That's just the way I think that's most common. The way that people are probably taught by and large in broader evangelical. Is that a fair assessment? Uh,
0: Yeah, I'd say so.
1: Certainly. I have a question, though. Yeah, you said manifest. What 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 verse are you pulling from when you're saying that? Oh,
0: he's about to check your Greek, my boy.
2: <laughs> well, I, he was I, made I, manifest. Well, I've got I've got a reason. He was made manifest. That's Bible. Hebrews
0: one, right? Is that Hebrews one?
2: No,
1: it, it, that's um.
0: Well,
2: I actually I don't want to say it because it's the end of the podcast verse, but I'll read it. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen John with our eyes, John. which we looked upon and have touched it's with our hands, John one. Yeah. concerning the word of life, the life was made man. That's what I was thinking through. Okay, because I
1: was like, yeah. I don't know what you're talking about, but but 18 verse 18 of John 1, the word um, verse you know, 18 verse 18 okay, John of 1. John 1 is the word make known. It's mm. the it's the word that we use for the word exegete. Oh, that's why I was Look like, that's where we I knew that originate. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> to tell fully to make known yeah that's the, yeah. yeah. so that's, I think that's like when I think about m- the manifestation of Christ and then this particular part of scripture seems to evidence that he was coming yeah and that he took on flesh and he has made him he has made him known I, got, I wanted to cover why do you think that people I iso- said or hmm. narcy yeah scripture Nars-a-geet. and what we'll, like, define wow. those terms uh
1: Three major terms, exegete, meaning um, I'm going to pay attention to the text. I'm going to get what I understand or what I can know from the text, meaning I'm going to learn from the text. Eisegete, authorial I'm, intent. Yeah, authorial intent, an appropriate hermeneutic. Um, <clears throat> Eisegete, instead, I'm going to inform the text with what I know, I think is a simple way to think about it. It's mm-hmm. like... Uh, well, this text says, "Let's take David and Goliath for instance, right?" Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to isogee this, which means I'm going to isolate it from every, every other passage. I think mm-hmm. maybe even prominently, Luke 24, um, where Jesus essentially says, "All of this is about me," mm-hmm. and and then say, "Okay, that's that's about me and me." Pardon me for shooting at your movie, facing your giants or whatever that may be, right? Narcissus. Is perhaps the most common form of interpretation in at least the United States of America, which is, I'm going to place myself in the text and I'm going to be the central figure of the text. Everybody else is just a representative of me. Mm. Which, perhaps most prominently, Stephen Furtick
2: Mm. is a great illustration of it. So a manifesto declares purpose and intent, so... What I was thinking through, like reading David and Goliath, people use this to address all sorts of trivial matters. When in fact, it's a text belonging to the canon, and the whole purpose of the canon as a revel has a revelatory intent and purpose. Has one revelatory intent and purpose? Yeah, is that fair?
0: I would say it has a major purpose. Like I think you can read David and Goliath. Like for example, if we're using that example, okay, you read David and Goliath, and the text is screaming, "There is one who will stand." between you and your ultimate enemy Mm -hmm. sin death Mm -hmm. and defeat it Mm -hmm. but i think there's also you can read david and goliath and say see the dependence of david on god Mm. or see the see the righteous indignation Mm. for god's name being profaned Mm -hmm. and emulate that right i think we ultimately see that in christ Mm -hmm. but like, I don't think that it's a terrible reading to also get that from it, if that makes sense. So, so a, it has an overarching purpose, but I think mm-hmm. there are, are like, what do you call those applications?
1: Applications. Mm-hmm. I, but I think there's also, uh, this is where like if I'm sitting down with somebody and we're doing the Old Testament, I think there is a <clears> guilt, <throat> guilt, strong language. I think there is a common error that you skip. We've talked about this. You skip the grammatical historical yeah. interpretation and jump straight to the redemptive historical. When mm-hmm. I think you need both to appropriately understand it, for sure. So David was a real guy. David was a real Goliath guy. Goliath was a real guy. Delilah, yeah. Um, for some reason, I just said Delilah. Delilah was a real Delilah was a, was a, guy. Was a <laughs> Delilah was a real woman. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, these stories are short. Stories. These, these stories are stories, and they're real true but stories. Real. <laughs> yeah. But so I think you're listening to a real is, podcast. There is there is reason, <laughs> and I think an appropriate reason to to read through the story of David and Goliath and say. You know, there is something to be admired there. But remember, too, that David, as he's slaying Goliath, is in essence pointing us forward to the For one sure. who will slay, as Blake's already mentioned, sin mm-hmm. and death forever, the truest and worst of enemies. And so I think that the the best interpretation, the conclusion or the, the end of the interpretation is Christ and him crucified. For sure. Mm.
2: So I was in a sales meeting one day at a former employer, and yeah. they were encouraging... Us uh, as the participants in a godless organization, mind you, uh, using the story of David and Goliath. Really? Yeah. Amen. And so it irked me. It it actually makes me super angry. It's like, right. stop, please stop. So that scripture that you chose, very, very good. Luke twenty four forty four. Yeah. And then he good opened job. their good minds. Job, awesome. and then <laughs> yeah. they they He opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we looked at Mark, is it Mark 4 or Mark 6? Mark 4. So Mark 4 says at the end, like, to you belong yeah. the parables. Yeah. For the kingdom is yours. Like, the kingdom has been given to you, right? Isn't that the language he uses? I think he says, to them
1: outside their parables, but you receive the true teaching. Yes. Yeah. Well, let's just look. I mean, we both
2: have our Bibles. We'll just look. Matthew, Mark.
0: To you has been given the secret of the That's, kingdom it's, of yeah. God. Yeah. Is it Mark 4? Four, Mark 4. 411.
2: Yeah. And to those outside, they're just stories yeah so the secret of the kingdom yeah mm. and then the scripture i read was john one he came to his own his mm-hmm. own people did not receive did not him. receive him and he said he was the light and the darkness but the the darkness didn't want him either right mm. i mean essentially i mean why don't we look at that instead of me paraphrasing it so lawsuit. he came to his own his own did not receive him and the world did not, yeah. You have, him yeah. So coming the, to world the world was made through him. Yet the world did, did not, not know, know him. him. He came to yeah. his own people, and his own people did not receive him. Which the distinguishing factor there is that they seemingly did know him.
1: Hmm. They yeah. recognized
2: him and rejected him. Hmm. Well, then, like even in even in Mark, it seems to be it seems to elude like although they see, they don't see. Which
0: is Isaiah six. Although they hear, they, they don't, don't perceive. Hear. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: So what is, like, do you think that that's applicable within David and Goliath and in that sales meeting I was in? I mean, can't, like, you know, I mean, is, is there a real worldly application that we can draw, like, human logic from it and be encouraged, but to those that have the secret of the kingdom? <clears throat> is there, in, a, is then, there a on, on. moral? Luke twenty four forty four says, and, and Jesus opened their minds yeah. to understand all the scriptures. It says all that was written about him. Yeah. Mm. The law Moses mm-hmm. and all of the prophets. Yeah. So I, I have a hard time like thinking like if if that's true, then then ultimately I, I'm not saying that there's not a there's there's not a moral application.
1: Yeah, there is a natural moral
2: application in the story of David and Goliath. But but it but is is that Luke 24:44 saying those who have been born again know the secret of the kingdom? and have eyes to truly see and ears to truly hear. And if so, what do they perceive in the story of David and Goliath?
1: Yeah, they perceive they perceive more. That's why I would say like the natural man has the ability like the scripture doesn't. Like when we look at So when I read the Bible before I was converted and I read the Bible after I was converted, it's not as though the words on the page changed. Right? Right. But but I do see more. And I see more because the spirit is illuminating that which he has already revealed. And so like as I'm reading through David and Goliath, it's not a surprise that as I'm reading through, I begin to see intricacies and uh, the fulfillment of those things because the spirit delights to reveal Christ throughout the scriptures. Mm -hmm. And so I'm reading David and Goliath as a 14 year old and I'm thinking, give me a rock. Mm. Right. (laughs) And then I'm reading David and Goliath as a 19 year old, 18 year old. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm so glad I have a mediator. I'm mm. so glad I have one to fight on my behalf. Mm. And I mean, that, the distinction there is certainly the the spirit giving eyes to see and to behold rightly. And apart from that, you're going to continue to read the Bible strictly, strictly moralistically. Mm. Um, now, obviously, the Bible teaches morality. Mm-hmm. The Christian faith has an unquestionably high ethic. Mm. Um, but it has a high ethic that's required and a high ethic that is spirit wrought in the individual. And we Mm -hmm. can't yank one away, right? It's, we, we need to be able to say with confidence, this is the ethic of Christianity. Same
2: time. You need the spirit of God for you to actually be able to Mm -hmm. walk in accordance with Mm -hmm. these things. So do you Mm -hmm. you think there's a Christological interpretation from, and we can, we can move on from David and Goliath. My answer is probably Yes. (laughs) Do what? My answer is probably yes. So, like from a, a Christological interpretation, from a macro level, right? As Romans opens up, He who descended from David, yeah. right, and then and then in the intricacies, right, of the story of David yeah. and Goliath, where you have one who stands, right, as, yeah. as as your defender, yeah, your your victor, yeah, Christus Victor, I think clearly is taught yeah. in David and Goliath. So why yeah. do you, why do some people have an issue with? Well, you're 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 abusing the text, in a sense. Blake is very well pleased with this question. Saying, Okay, well I get the macro. We can see it in the macro, but then when you get in on in the micro of the story, like we begin to start like like pandering using allegory. I've I've heard that before.
0: Because people don't believe in the sovereignty of God. Okay. That he declared the end from the beginning. It's mm-hmm. like we it's like people and I was like this for a long time. I thought that's adding way too much to the text because I had never thought hmm the same one who wrote this planned salvation from before time began. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, I just hadn't thought of it in that way. And so I used to think I was like, that's too easy. Like you can't, there's no way that it's like that close to Christ. Like that's Mm -hmm. just, we're reading too much into that. Mm -hmm. Even like when I was in seminary, I had a professor who was really big in allegory. And I was just like, Stop it! You know (laughs) this guy's crazy. This guy and his Uh, crayon. This guy and his PhD. (laughs) (laughs) Dummies, get your crayon out of my (laughs) Bible. (laughs) uh, But you know, like as I as I started to think more about it, it's like no, I just I don't actually believe in the sovereignty of God as much as I say I do. If I think that that's too easy, if Mm. that makes sense. So that's my that's my theory.
1: So first of all, sorry, knocked over my bottle of water. Um, first of all. I, I was there too. I actually remember a professor being the opposite with me, being incredibly grammatical historical and to such a degree to the to the detriment of the redemptive historical, and I was like, Bro, don't steal the Old Testament from me. That was literally yeah. how I felt. I was like, Don't don't take from me what's
0: mine. That's For me like, it was Psalm eight. I don't know, like that tipped you over the edge. My professor was like, This is about Christ primarily. Oh, like, and you're like, how dare you? I was like, you? No, this is in the Psalms. This isn't the, he's then, not even then, here yet. And then I was like, Oh yeah, he's right. Yeah <laughs>
1: but the the one thing that I think can be a charge against one who has a Christological or Christocentric hermeneutic is the charge is often, well that's that's super allegorical, right? Now there are times and I think this we just need to be willing to say this, there are times where it is strictly allegorical and you just made that up off the top of your head. Yeah, there he is no, it. yeah there's <laughs> no grounds inside of the grammatical historical interpretation. This is why I think If we want to do, and and by the way, on a side note here, I do think that there are books that are in essence allegorical. I think Song of Solomon is one of those. Yeah. Um, But and I would get, I get, I'm sure I'll get flack for that because, but very applicable to 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 human marriage. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's like, but but I think that there was more in view. Certainly. There than love letters. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so you know yeah. so but they
2: are love letters to his brother
0: they are they yeah.
1: are and i think but i to find his
0: like pick up lines
2: if
1: yeah you know. but i mean we can we can say things like we there are oftentimes even in i mean my goodness like you're telling me that the biblical writers weren't as uh weren't as gifted or spirit inspired even though this certainly is not a spirit inspired work but they're not as gifted or able to use allegory as Bunyan is mm. like Bunyan's allegory is beautiful. It's not scripture. It's not inspired. So is is Bunyan permitted to use allegory, but
0: the spirit-inspired authors aren't? You know this is this is just C.S. Lewis chronological snobbery. What do you mean? It's thinking that we as modern people are smarter than everyone who came uh, before B-facts.
1: us. And and so anyway, just on that, like there are times where we abuse and this I really do think this is and I think it goes back to not believing the sovereignty of God. We don't believe that there's actually something Christocentric in the text, so we, instead of getting to the bottom of the grammatical historical interpretation, say, okay, well, I'll just abandon that altogether and make up my own thing, which I see happen from time to time.
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel this very keenly teaching the students in Genesis. Um, Like, I was thinking about uh, Abimelech and Abraham's covenant. I don't know Mm -hmm. if you are familiar with Mm -hmm. Genesis 21. And, like, the well, and I was just like... Mm -hmm. I remember just like looking at that for like hours, being like, how does this connect to Christ? You know, and like it's the mm-hmm. temptation is just to like throw something in there that makes it mm-hmm. easy. Yeah, he will lead them to the springs of the
2: water of the Lord. Yeah, I got one for that. Yeah, no, I know. I'm, yeah.
0: But I'm saying like,
2: <laughs> and
1: on that day, there shall be a fountain opened up for the house of David. Okay, I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, but what I'm saying is like, you get verses like that, like passages in Genesis. Yeah, certainly. It's not always. Like tonight, or at some point around now, I am teaching on at some point Abraham now. sacrificing Isaac, and yeah. it's not always that oh, yeah, th- that clear. Right? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah so it's, it's easy time, to man. just force it. Yeah. yeah, and just be
2: like, ah, so but, can I? Can I implant a couple of things? Sure. Just a couple of ideas, and we'll, we'll work them. So it says in John one. Uh, verse 15 it says John bore witness about him and cried out this was he of whom I said he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me facts Mm -hmm. right he's speaking of the preeminence of Christ he's the eternal son Mm -hmm. and then in Romans uh, chapter 3 it says but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law although the law and the prophets bear witness to it yeah so so it seems to me like Christ goes into Luke twenty four forty four and says, all of these things are written about me hmm. and they bear witness. Mm-hmm. And he opened up their minds to understand the, the manifestation, the actual one in which it all pointed to, the protagonist of everything that, that was written about. And I would say like in that covenant of Abimelech and Abraham, mm-hmm. that that's a covenant. Yeah. and in some framework, it mm-hmm. bears witness to a greater covenant. Yeah, right yeah, for sure. It's like even in David's kingship, right? It's like it it bears it bears witness mm-hmm. to to mm-hmm. a greater and more perfect sovereign king who mm-hmm. will reign on the throne forever. Mm-hmm. And then when you get into, I mean, you get into Abel. It's like mm-hmm. you can get all the way back to Abel, and you like. I mean, we're early in the book, right? You are thinking, <laughs> man, I, I got first four chapters. I got six months of the year before I hit Matthew. Yeah, and it's like the the last thing, quote unquote, on my mind is Christ in Genesis, I mean, what chapter is that? Four. Four? four? With Abel? Yeah, yeah and it's four. like, all of a sudden you get to Hebrews, and Hebrews is like, hey, go back and reread Abel. Yeah. Because his blood cries judgment, Jesus' blood cries forgiveness and redemption. Yeah. And so it's like, how like, how am I supposed to read Abel other than how John would have professed the scriptures, how all the scriptures profess of themselves to bear witness about the one to whom they belong, and that's mm. Christ. Yeah. So I, th- I just think like, I think for me, like a lot of my life, I would flip and wait till Jesus's earthly ministry and then be like, "Ah, oh, now he's here and now there's value. Yeah. It's like, no, 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 I don't, I wasn't, I wasn't there using the scriptures in the way I believe Jesus taught the disciples to use them in Luke twenty four forty four. Mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, it's like when you get there, I'm not saying that we're. Abusing the text, or we're over allegor—you know, over allegorizing the text. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm, I'm, I'm contemplating in the spirit, like, yeah. How does there, how does this bear witness, even in the macro, right, the large? Mm-hmm. He descended from David, yeah. Or in the micro, how, how is David and Goliath, or Abel being killed by Cain? How do these things declare or bear witness to the one who is coming? I, that's mm-hmm. how I work through. In my mind, and I think like when we preach, when y'all preach in the pulpit, most often that's how you're approaching the text. Yeah, And Mm -hmm. I think that's how we should, as God's people, the ones who the secret of the kingdom has been given to Mm -hmm. those who have the eyes and the ears to hear. I just think by and large, like, that's how we should approach the text. And if you're not approaching that text, then you're just approaching it sitting in my sales meeting, working at a, you know what I'm saying? like, Yeah, I, no, I mean, if you go back, if you go back and you to listen. slay your Goliath. Yeah, you know, like getting fired up for the day and go yeah. make some money or whatever. It's like, what? I'm gonna slay this Goliath of $4 million. Yeah, hello, uh, hello. But, Amen. All right. Um, <laughs> Got him, but. <laughs> Lawson's in now. But, He's in the liturgy. Fully. But so. <laughs> You'll sing next. No. I will not <laughs> sing next. next.
1: Okay. But like if you go back and you listen to the first sermon that I did in Jonah, like when I, when I preached that, the very first thing I did was say, here's how we're going to preach through old Testament books here. Mm-hmm. And we're going to, we're going to understand the grammatical historical and mm-hmm. we're going to anchor the redemptive mm-hmm. historical in what's true. We're mm-hmm. not going to take it and and yank it from what God revealed it to be. Mm-hmm. But I think it is a foolish and I'm going to use this word gently. So, know that it's filled with gentleness. It's a gentle It's faithless Mm. to interpret the Old Testament in a Christological way if you're doing so apart from the grammatical historical because you're assuming that God didn't inspire it in such a way Mm. that it could be both historical Mm. and redemptive. Mm. Mm. And so it's like these two things are not at odds with one Mm -hmm. another. They're friends, Mm -hmm. right? And so I assume as I approach any section of the Old Testament that if I study it appropriately and I get to the end to the bottom of the grammatical historical, then I am going to arrive at a christological conclusion mm. It's like if you preach through uh let's take um let's take uh cleansing for leprosy right mm-hmm. like I want to understand what what took place in the cleansing of leprosy mm-hmm. so that I can understand fully like. Man, I see Jesus cleanse lepers. Mm, mm, right. Mm. So like I, I can but I but I can see both. And mm. sometimes the interpretation is this is how it was done. This is how it's better. Mm. Right. And sometimes it's here is the uh our forefather Abraham and here's how here's how we see the fulfillment of the story of Genesis twenty two in in uh in substitutionary atonement, right? Here is Isaac and you can you know Moses David so forth and so on we we can understand them so that we can more rightly see the mm. the shadows here mm. and so that we can look forward to the substance I think they're all like
2: John saying I bear witness of the one This is Hebrews 12 this is Hebrews 11:12 He was before me Yeah mm. I mean I think that's I think this is what this plays out to be So I, one of the saddest things I've I've heard said Oh I know what you're about to say is that Leviticus is a is a I don't want to say an empty book. I don't think that's the. I don't think that's the way that it was mm-hmm. meant or implied. But Lawson, you, you've you you had had a moment that I wanted to connect for for the listeners about you working through Leviticus in a same way. Oh, you remember way. telling you about yeah. this? And so to me, it's like I wanted to bring out and say, like I, I think that encapsulates yeah. as an example about how you can be approaching Leviticus as. Words written on pages. Yeah. But then yeah. when they're filled with the identity, right, of the one to whom they belong. It's yeah. like, bro, everywhere Leviticus is one of the most full books uh, yeah, it's stacked. of like Christological Yeah. Like like a, it, yeah. I mean it really is. Like and everywhere his, I mean, you his, get. Yeah. It's like you got you know, you got bad stones with mold in the house. The house right. has to be torn down. You yeah. know, it's like the only one who can cleanse the house is the priest. And you get this whole like yeah. priestly cleansing. I mean you get you just get all of this information that's mm. just like, you could be overwhelmed with information and receive it in such a way where it has no application to you because, I mean, right, guys? I mean, that 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 has been abolished mm. by fulfillment in Christ. Mm. And if we don't see his work as the one who fulfilled it all and we see his, I mean, we, we see him as the interpretation of all of that, then, I mean, I, I can understand and sympathize with someone who's walking through Leviticus reading Leviticus without Christ being the 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 focal mm-hmm. point the protagonist of all the scripture and so share share with how what, what your experience was. Yeah, so I was um this was an Old Testament
1: survey and uh as I was in Old Testament survey we were required which is a completely reasonable requirement that you read the Old Testament. Um and so sense. in the midst of reading the Old Testament I had frankly gotten behind in my reading so I was like I've got to sit down and read a massive chunk. And so from Probably about nine a.m. until about seven p.m. I was reading through the the Torah, first five books. I mean, I was I was blazing through, and um, I made it to Leviticus, and I remember thinking to myself as I'm reading through Leviticus, and it, my my original thought was, man, I am. This pains me to say, I'm getting nothing out of this. Mm. Right. I mean, I, you know, and, and to be honest I with you, I think that's a common. I know. I was about, I really to, I was about to say, so. I know this yes. is common. I know Very. this is common. Leviticus, and, and people make jokes about it. It's like, it's the death of all reading plans. Mm. Um, but because you're hitting something that if you don't understand and you have not and you're not reading it through what I believe to be the apostolic lens of Christ, then you're going to read through it and you're going to be like, bro, I'm not going to call a priest to come cleanse my house. That's right. You're not, you know Mm -hmm, why? mm -hmm. Because Christ has cleansed deeper. Mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. And so like, as you read that, like, and and what's funny about it is it wasn't the day of atonement that kicked me over. It was the cleansing of lepers. Mm. Um, Because I I think I had been working through, I was doing student ministry at the time, so I had been preaching through a gospel. I had just preached through Jesus' cleansing of lepers, Mm. and I and I and I'm like, I'm teaching students, I'm ignorant of this, Mm. right? And so as I get here, I'm like, whoa, I I misunderstood the magnitude of of Jesus touching a leper ten and saying, "Go, Mm. you're good." When back in the when you look back in Leviticus, the cleansing of these priests was it was a provision that God made, mm-hmm. but it was not a provision as full mm-hmm. as Christ's provision and ability to cleanse, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so in reading through this, there's still sacrifices, there's still all those things made. And I'm and I'm reading through it. And then finally it just kind of connects with me that that God has inspired his word in such a way, not just to communicate historical realities, those that though those historical realities are true, but but all of it is Theological and perhaps better yet, it is christological in nature. It's mm. teaching me something of my better priest, the better altar, mm. the better sacrifice, the better blood. I mean, yeah. the list goes on. And so there is in our knowledge and in our looking into Leviticus and Numbers and chapter and books like that that can be you know difficult a lot of mm. times. There is a great reward for those who will stay in mind. Mm. Um, and I think at that point I realized that I had
2: been biblically lazy. Mm. Mm. Yes, I was thinking about like when you get to Hebrews, and Hebrews informs us, right, to know the historical, true realities, right, of the priestly ministry and the order of Aaron, Mm -hmm. right, and the appointment, the anointing of a king, yeah, and how these two tribes, right, Judah and Levi, totally separate lineages. In the Bible, by and large, I would say, Hebrews says, is totally silent. Of the one who would come and serve from the tribe of Judah and who would be the priest from Judah. So the scriptures never spoke of that. Yeah. And so it should be like to know how codified, if you will, that priestly lineage lineage was from Mm. the tribe of Levi. Like and to know like to know it could not be subverted. Mm. It could not you know, and to have Christ come and descend from the tribe of Judah and take hold of the take hold of the throne, mm-hmm. and then condescend himself to to serve us in a way through the priestly ministry, you know, it's like, to me, that's where, like, that, that historical reality of that Old Testament leading up, like, to see Christ and the tribe in which he descends from is so shocking. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. like one in which, like, now you can come back into that lower order of the Levit- Levitical priesthood and see Jesus's better ministry, right? Mm. The one where he does a better work with the lepers, right? He does yeah. a better work, a true and better work with the sinners, you mm. know, those things of that nature. One of my
1: favorite moments recently, I get the privilege to sit down with people and talk with them through the scriptures. And, and a lot of times what I do just pastorally is people have various reading plans or whatever it may be. And so they'll be like, hey, can I sit down and talk with you about just a list of questions I had because I just finished the book of Exodus. Mm-hmm. I say, absolutely. So we go and we sit down. Okay. Huh? Wrong guy. Wrong guy? No. Oh, no. no, 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 no. <laughs> Right guy. Uh
0: the you met uh, my Exodus
1: friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but in this recently I was sitting down and, and the question was, um, so there's no top to the Ark of the Covenant. I was like, No, there is a top. Mm-hmm. Right? The top is the mercy seat. Mm-hmm. But and, and even then it was like for for him, this this guy is really pictorial. Like he's a he's a craftsman. And so like he's reading through the tabernacle and he's like, how can I make this, right? Like, that's the guy we're talking about. (laughs) Um, He even calculated how much gold it would actually cost to make the tabernacle Mm -hmm, now. mm -hmm. And as as I'm listening to him talk through this, he's like, okay, so the mercy seat would sit on top and I'm like, yeah, the mercy sits on top, but let me, like, can you get why? And so it's like, sometimes what the Old Testament is doing is giving you really clear pictures as to what Christ actually accomplished. Mm. And I think, you know, like guys like you, Don, who are really visual in nature, Mm. um, you know, I think about that picture of the mercy seat there. You've got the glory of God that would rest above it. And then you've got the mercy seat. And then underneath it, you've got the tablets of stone that have the Ten Commandments recorded. Mm. And if you think about just Pictorially here, you've got the glory of God, you've got the mercy seat, by the way, the mercy seat is the place where the blood would be, would be sprinkled mm-hmm. for the perp- for why? Because there has to be blood in between the wrath
2: and justice of God, based upon us breaking of the law and His glory. Yeah, it says it mm. says in Hebrews they they would bring sacrifices, yep. and He brings sacrifices, none for Himself, right, none for need His them. people, right? right. So the other priests in Levitical mm-hmm. priesthood would have come in there for blood for Himself, <laughs> Himself, mm-hmm. and then them and the and those that He and He had to sacrifice a
1: bull. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's like he had to, he had to sacrifice mm. the bigger thing, mm. and it's like mm. it's so it's. But but once you kind of understand these pictures that God gave are mm-hmm. pictures that find, this is why I think shadow and substance, there's another term, ant, anti-type and type. Those are, I think, shadow which, and which substance. Which belongs,
2: and I wanted to say this yeah. word on this episode, which belongs under the heading typology. Yeah, certainly. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. But like, when I think about shadow and substance, the reason I use that language is because I think about it pictorially. Like... The reason that we say shadow is because everybody kind of grasped the idea that, I I mean, I got shadows all over the place right now, like just sitting here. And like, you think, look at this wall that's got my shadow cast upon it. You can see my basic outline and figure, but Mm -hmm. you can't see the detail, the color of my skin, the, Mm -hmm. you know, any of that. But what we do when we look at the Old Testament, we look at the shadows that God forecasts so that we can look forward and see the details in full in Christ and have even bigger pictures like mm-hmm. if we understand the atonement i mean apart from the old testament right i mean if you really think about this we get so much information about the doctrine of the atonement from the old testament mm-hmm. i mean you think about abraham and isaac penal substitutionary atonement mm-hmm. you think about the day of the day of atonement the the redemption, the, the ransom, all of that, the covering with blood, all of that comes really, and this is why Paul elaborates on it so thoroughly in the book of Hebrews. Um, <laughs> and as he's laying this, I mean, it's just, it is such an incredible picture. What's he reaching back into?
2: Yeah, to the Old Testament.
1: He, I mean, if we want to be really specific, we would say Leviticus. Yeah, certainly. Um, and so, you know, there is a clear apostolic hermeneutic that understands the Old Testament
2: through the lens and grid of Christ and him crucified. So, I mean, wouldn't you go as far as to say even those that participated at the altar in the Old Testament, Yeah, don't you think that they, you, you're, you would be safe to say, fair to say, accurate to say, that they had an interpretive hermeneutic? Some, not all. Oh, oh no, No, yes, they they had an interpretive hermeneutic. Yeah, like the interpretive hermeneutic is, what's the blood for? Yeah,
1: Yeah. I think you would have had... What's the lamb for? Yeah, you would have had two camps
2: there, though. Certainly you would have, right? But the hermeneutic that should be applied is not that I'm just living in a reality and it's tangible and Mm -hmm. I can touch it. Mm -hmm. It's actually conveying a meaning. Mm -hmm. Like, it's bearing witness. Like, you need a better priest. This priest is... He's going to die next year. Yes, it says he (laughs) cannot continue to serve. He's going to die. Like, that's what it would have communicated (laughs) and said... Ah, so because he is limited by death And his I own need, sinfulness. Yes, I need a priest who is sinless, yep, perfect in every way, yep, and not hindered by death. Yep. And mm-hmm. I will await and see the one that comes. And mm-hmm. I mean the woman at the well has to be one who would have had that old testament historical hermeneutic interpretive yeah, that certainly. would have seen it and seen it rightly. Yeah. For she says when the Christ comes he will tell us all. Yeah, it's like, Well <laughs> Welcome. Yeah. And guess yeah. what? You're not going to worship on that mountain yeah. or in this place, but you'll worship in spirit and in truth. Yeah. And this is why even recently, I don't know. I don't, I don't remember where I
1: was having this conversation, but I was talking about the Pharisaical understanding and their interpretation of the Old Testament. It's, it is the dominant interpretation of the Old Testament in Jesus's day. Like the dominant interpretation of the Old Testament in Jesus's day was the pharisaical interpretation of a strict legalism Mm -hmm. that you could justify yourself by works, which by the way, was not the hermeneutic of the Old Testament. Like it Mm -hmm. is not the interpretation, the appropriate interpretation of the Old Testament. The interpretation of the Old Testament is God's made a covenant you've broken. The question now is how does God keep covenant with a covenant breaking people? And Mm -hmm. he does that through his covenant keeping son, right? Mm -hmm. And so in the midst of that whole you know, picture you have the Pharisees who aim for justification by their own merit. And that's dominant. And so when Jesus shows up on the scene, he is not, this is like any point of reformation. You know, reformation is not a introduction of something new, right? When Jesus comes to interpret the Old Testament, he is not giving it uh, giving it weight that it did not have, right. he's simply communicating it the way that it was always yeah. That's why inspired. I said hope of the
2: ages. Yeah,
1: right. I mean it's it's always been there. Yeah, and he came delivering. I mean, you even think of uh, um, I'm gonna. All right, you can chapter and verse me. Uh, the the priest and the woman in the temple when Jesus was uh, named and circumcised when he was born. It's gonna. be I in know. Shouted at me. You got it. Producer? The
2: Abig? Mm.
1: Is it Zachariah Zachari- or Zachariah?
2: The, yeah. the, but there's a woman uh, there. This is
1: terrible. I'm sorry. Anyway, um, as you as you're searching and you can tell me. Um, but inside of this narrative, you're tell that man read the old testament like a Christian.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because what was he waiting for? Mm-hmm. He was waiting for the promised Messiah. And when the promised Messiah shows up he immediately rejoices and even goes to the extent of saying, okay, I can die now because all that he had longed for and hoped for had arrived.
2: Anna. Anna, And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. And then as a widow until she was 84, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at the very hour, she began to give thanks to God and speak to him. Speak of him to all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So that's the woman in Luke. It's actually Luke uh, 2. That's what I'm looking at too. Where Simeon blessed. Simeon S- is in the ministry of the temple, but yeah. she's there as a temple servant. Yeah, but- Simeon's the one
1: who holds him and says, "Yes, yeah." And so, that, verse thirty-four. Okay, thank you.
0: That helps me. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, "Behold, this child mm-hmm. is appointed for right. the fall and rising of many." And yeah. Okay. Right?
1: I feel better now. That was like you know, like when there's an itch yeah. and you, yeah. Um, You're it was a brain itch. We were your back scratchers. Thank you. I appreciate that.
0: You were your brain itchers. <laughs> um.
1: All right. <laughs> okay. But their interpretation of the Old Testament was. A spirit-inspired, illuminated interpretation.
0: That's what I love about Hebrews, because it's like... What you love of, about Paul, really. The writer of Hebrews, whoever he is, not, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, the writer of Hebrews is like, oh, you think all this physical stuff is like the realest sense of this? And it's mm-hmm. like, you're, no, you're wrong. All of that was just shadow.
1: Yeah. And the substance being the temple or the tabernacle that's made without hands. Right,
0: yeah.
2: Yeah. All right, so it's First Peter 10 through 12.
1: 1 Peter 10,
2: 1 Peter 1. All, all right. 1 right. Peter 1 exists. Speaking of extra 10 biblical revelation, 12. 12 says. So I want to lay this out. And all say, right, that one too. This is the prophets. <laughs> Sorry. This is the prophets who prophesied. So they wrote. Yeah, they did a thing. And as the spirit carried along carried them along, they yeah. wrote. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it says that they would have they interpret the writings in a, in a way. And it gives us yeah. a sense, their lens of their hermeneutic. And so my argument would be, those who would read the scriptures should interpret them the same as the one who wrote it. Mm. Yeah, authorial intent. Okay, so here it is. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories, it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you and the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. So I always say they inquired, they inquired the person and the time. Yep. And this is why I like some of those great hymns that we sing. And and they're obviously biblic- biblically based, rooted in Scripture. <laughs> Big facts. He has the name above all names. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like to know his name to be Jesus now. Yeah. Like, like what is, uh, Christ says. Like people have longed to see what you see. Oh yeah. Which is the well, secret. things into which angels long to look yeah, is still just like one the of the most. The secret of the kingdom. Yeah. Like he he is the secret of the kingdom. Yeah. Like he mm-hmm. he is the one to whom the kingdom belongs mm-hmm. and who he ushers in those citizens uh, of the kingdom. Yeah. And so I think, like when you're, you know, if you go back into the Old Testament, you consider that these prophets who prophesied—I mean, we would definitely say verbally—they would have spoken the oracles of God. But yeah. we know that they were recorded down in Scripture for us. For many books of the Bible start out with "This is the oracle according to Isaiah." Yeah. And so, as Isaiah wrote down all of this information, or as it got recorded, they would interpret those writings to be inquiring, inquiring about the subsequent glories and the sufferings of the Christ. Yeah. Like, when is the Christ coming? So the, what, you know why I'm here at Mercy Hill? Uh, no. Because, I mean, I, because the of this Yeah. Because of this sermon. Yeah. Mm. Like, I, I think I had spent, uh, I, I love every moment of my journey. I really do. And I'm blessed by it. But to walk in and hear a sermon on, you know, Methodist, <laughs> David and Mephibosheth. Yeah, and to hear that hermeneutic and to be someone who for years had looked into these things and seen Christ and to now hear that preached in such a way where it was the macro, right? The one who is preeminent, who the scriptures bear witness to in the macro, and then to come into the story in the micro and to see these inner workings of mm-hmm. the bearing of a witness of one who is Better than David, David, yeah. and one who has more need than than this lowly service, yeah. this lowly dog, but a dog like us. Yeah. And so I think, like you know, for for uh, you know, I mean, part of this podcast is for the people of Mercy Hill, yeah. And I think it is such a rarity. I think it's such a rarity to have that type of commitment commitment to the what I would contend for is the actual biblical hermeneutic. Yeah. And to have that permeate throughout our preaching and how we interact with the scriptures, not only interacting as hearers from the pulpit, but also like recording this podcast to to give a demonstration about how I believe saints should interact with yeah. the scriptures among ourselves. Yeah. I know you're yeah. always uncomfortable when I compliment you. <laughs> but like you're gonna have scale to say of something, <laughs> <laughs>
1: well i mean I, the reason have i ever told you about the the thing that tipped me over on this no i'll say no um, if i said yes that it'd be. <laughs> well i was gonna tell it anyway yeah. exactly <laughs> but um i remember i remember the old testament being closed to me mm, same like i mean that, that's just that's just where i was and it's like you can read the old testament but if you read the old testament just know you're reading something that is perhaps outdated. Mm. I mean by the way this is the claim today. The claim today is, is the bible is the the old testament is outdated. It's an angry god that's not the god of the new testament. Like these are the claims, but when you when you pay close attention and you read through the scriptures, and you do so under the inspir not under inspiration, but under the elimination of the Spirit, which certainly you do need. The revelatory ministry, I'll say yeah, the word. The illumination <laughs> of
2: the Spirit. <laughs> All the re- are the hard hardcore reformers then, just fell out the back yeah, of the chairs. Yeah. Then, uh,
1: <laughs> then what you have is, I mean, if you if you divorce it from, if you divorce the Old Testament from the New Testament, you you've essentially, re- frankly, you can't even read the Old Testament anymore because the Old Testament is anticipatory of the new Mm -hmm. it's pushing toward it Mm -hmm. um it's the reason that there were people actually looking for the messiah Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. it was promised of old Mm -hmm. and and so like what what got me is i was introduced to the macro right Mm -hmm. and it's like oh this is the big grand narrative but it's like if you if you once you grasp the big grand narrative you can't help but see foreshadowing and and types, and all of these, I mean, allegories from time to time, prophecies made, and all of that quite clearly exhibited, and if, and what do you do in preaching them? Mm -hmm. Like, that was the hardest thing for me. It's like, well, what do I do? Pretend like these don't exist, because people think that it's strange, and it's like, Mm -hmm. I just can't, and it was always interesting to me, because I, the first time I, I told you, the first time I ever preached this, Genesis 22, Mm. and the pastor that I was under at the time came back and preached it the next week right after me because he did not like the way that I did it and mm. I preached it from a Christocentric hermeneutic mm. and um and he ended up preaching it about uh, obeying god that was his that was the whole thing i mean like should we obey god of course we should mm. but the primary purpose of that text i think in light of the new testament frankly maybe maybe not even in the full revelation of Gen- <laughs> uh, of the new testament but just
2: laying out there in genesis 22 is Man, look at God provide. So, so let me say this. So he came back and, and preached obedience. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And, and we have a systematic form about how we get to obedience. Right, right? knowledge of God, mm-hmm. steadfast love, faithfulness. And so I think ultimately, if you want to birth obedience in yeah. people, right, I, I, think, I think we preach the heart of the gospel. Absolutely. Right, the person and work of Jesus Christ. Something
1: I've been amazed by as I've been reading recently um, is just how commonly the gospel is uh is linked with obedience and by that I mean the obedience of the gospel obedience mm-hmm. to the gospel mm-hmm. and it's like obedience to the gospel is believing upon the gospel mm. and you know I think that's the obedience of faith mentioned in Romans 1 I think I was reading in I was reading in 1 Peter this morning but you know in all of those like obedience to the gospel begins with eyes
2: able to behold God mm. Mm. And that's how it continues all right so i'm going to read this quote again okay the problem in the universe isn't our failing marriages our fragile health our wayward children conflicts at work the problem that the bible was written to deal with is i have no hope of drawing near to god without being consumed because i'm a sinner so let me ask you this men men do we care about failing marriages Yes. yes. Do we care about fragile health? Yes. yes. Do we care about wayward children? Yes. Yeah. How do we demonstrate through the ministry of the pulpit <laughs> that we ultimately care about these things?
0: We preach Christ. Mm. So I was thinking about this. The first time I preached Genesis 22, mm-hmm. it was Father's Day. Mm. And I preached on two fathers on how to be a good father. I how, was thinking whoa, about wait, 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 How long ago was this? Uh, I was, it was... In my first year of pastoral ministry, <laughs> stop. And okay, so, and so I was thinking about it, like how much more fruitful it would have been to just mm. like say, behold, Christ. Mm. <laughs> you mm. know, like it's just so why that, is that? that coincides. You know, like we do care about failing marriages and being good fathers and all that stuff. But I think what's
2: get what gets levied at it is that you don't, and it's lazy, and you're you're abusing that's the text. My favorite yeah. the, it's lazy it, is that it's uh, lazy it's, it's andy stanley, that's andy stanley. expositional preaching
0: is be lazy honest, like when i started as a preacher uh, the counsel i got was don't preach expositionally it's too hard and too time consuming and you don't have that kind of time and uh, and like I, I feel that now like i feel yeah. the weight of how difficult and how time consuming it is but also how worth it is mm. worth it it is when like, when you see the change wrought and mm. the growth seen in people and in yourself, mm-hmm. and like Sarah and I tend to just like talk about the ways that we see the Lord's faithfulness at Mercy mm-hmm. Hill, mm-hmm. and there are just ways that you see the like unadulterated preaching of the gospel, mm-hmm. the refusal to move on from the gospel mm-hmm. uh just like I mean completely revolutionize mm-hmm. like. Change people's lives, and it's amazing, yeah, so I want to say this too, so uh, I want to read this quote again I've got something to say on this
2: quote, too, okay, so the problem in the universe isn't our failing we are, we all know it, but you know, but one reality of the Christian life is failing marriages are real, yeah, and they're suffering very much so. fragile health is real, and it's suffering. Having wayward children is real, and it's suffering, mm. conflicts at work are real and it's suffering, and sometimes we face real injustices we our our lives as Christian people are not, I mean, definitely we have the hope of the ages, but there is a true and present reality that we experience suffering in the name of Christ, and we always say, you know, we we want saints suffer to well. suffer well, and so I think like even even addressing these things to say continue and labor on and and the and the hope of continuing even in the midst of great suffering is worth it. I mean, I would just say I don't know. I don't know what else to give a person other than the God, you know, the gospel, the, 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 you know, whether that's in Genesis and the blood of Abel, if you're preaching through, you know, Genesis or you're in the book of revelation, you know I mean? These are, these are like true realities. So I, I mean, clearly for my mind, what would aid me in, in a, you know, in, in a, in any of these seasons in which you're experiencing suffering is to look at the sufferings of Christ yeah. mm-hmm. and the subsequent glories that await us mm-hmm. and to be faithful unto him in the midst of anything for his will be done, not mine. Yeah. yeah. The,
1: um, there's often a charge. I was thinking of this the other day and I was, as I was preparing for Romans nine, the The question was, what's the application, right? Like I'm preaching through Romans nine, I'm preaching through the doctrine of election and, there is there is often the question, okay, what then is there to do for your hands on the other side of the doctrine of election? Let me just be real with you. There really is not an application for your hands on the other side of the doctrine of election. There's just not, like there isn't here, go do this now, right? Mm. But that was, that was the measurement in which I was given, what is a successful sermon? Have you given them something to do? Mm. And that is such a trash understanding of application. <laughs> Can you back up
2: and say, this word is full of loving <laughs> no, I cannot because no, no, no. because here's what it here's I what it to do that with a word like because trash. here's what it
1: here's what it does here's trash. what it does it actually takes the focus off of amazement and wonder yeah right like there is as we're preaching through Romans nine if you're not sitting there and saying how unsearchable is his wisdom mm. how inscrutable his ways your application's wrong <laughs> right if at the end of John the proclamation of the book of John you're not saying this is the true God true man Christ Jesus yeah. right the yeah. application is you see him we didn't record many of his works right mm-hmm. there's so many more and he's still working right if 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 it's not worship mm-hmm. and I don't mean here's your hands I mean Moses on the mountain hearing the name of the Lord bow down on your face before him and worship then it's a bad application mm-hmm. And so the issue is like I'll sit down with people on, in one on one often, and they're asking me questions about practical applications for things, and and that, I think that's a really appropriate thing. How can I live right now? Okay, well now that we have the appropriate view, yeah, let's let's think through this. But to to offer someone something other than the substance of the book, mm-hmm. I'm 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 giving them the lesser glory,
0: mm-hmm. right? And so yeah, you're giving them busy work. Yeah. And it's so much easier to obey when you're enthralled by something. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's so scripture easy, says, bro.
2: look what type of love has been lavished on you. Yeah. Study that yeah. and the person to whom it And belongs. once you
1: get to the bottom, you can move on. Yeah. Once you get to the <laughs> bottom of that, you can move on to the next thing. You have full permission. Once you understand the magnitude of the love of God in Christ, you can move on to the next thing. You know thing how you're going to move on? After return. <laughs> you're going to go
0: deeper. That's right. And and but After eternity, the, yeah, the, the, That doesn't exist. Yeah, the, it doesn't.
1: <laughs> but... It's just the, and and even then, like you're talking about your Bible reading unto your marriages into the midst of suffering, like when I think about, I mean, and just to be honest with you, for those of you who are here at Mercy Hill, you know this, but for those who don't, Mercy Hill has had a great deal of of suffering in the midst of many a families here, mm-hmm. and I, you know I remember often I, re- I remember all of these but i remember preaching the week after a tragedy mm. right and i and i remember thinking and i remember my professor told me when something like this happens you might want to take a break and do something different yeah. and it's like i if i did that there's always a tragedy in someone's mm. life mm. but it's also a misunderstanding of the sufficiency of scripture and it's like I remember preaching on the bodily resurrection after someone had died, and it was just by God's providence that we were there. Mm-hmm. And I remember preaching on condemnation after a, a tragedy, mm-hmm. and I and, and and that's nobody like if I'm picking something on that day, I'm not picking that
2: mm-hmm. right,
1: mm-hmm. but nonetheless, God used that to encourage mm-hmm. in the midst of suffering. And it's mm-hmm. like, is the Bible actually sufficient mm-hmm. to comfort the? the one who has a struggling marriage mm-hmm. because what they actually need is not just somebody to come in and say, here's some marriage counseling. They both need to be enthralled by the substance of the shadow they're living in.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the same thing with the loss. I mean, goodness, the loss of a child. We had like five miscarriages in Mercy Hills like first six months. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, I, and I remember every single one of those. Mm-hmm. And it's like, preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so, I mean, I just, I'm, I'm always amazed by how quickly we abandon that which says it's all sufficient to cater to a specific need assuming that we can provide a unique sufficiency. Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. All right. Anyway. So in conclusion, (laughs) I have a Bible verse or three. (laughs) and with his son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. That is 1 John 1, 1 through 4. So I'd like to thank my fellow elders, Blake McCullough and Lawson Harlow for the time spent today. And I quote, to this day, any town crier in the British Commonwealth is protected under old English law that they are not to be hindered or heckled while performing their (laughs) duties. To injure or harm a town crier was seen as an act of treason against the ruling monarchy. (laughs) Take this to heart. My brothers and my friends, don't hurt
0: God us. Long live the king. <laughs> yeah. I did not know until like a month ago, Lawson hated belching so really? much.
1: I hate it. Grown men.
2: What do you want me to do with it? Well,
1: right. You can, you can burp without it
2: being some cultures in my culture <laughs> appreciate belching. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. actually a form of flattery. It's a Hernando thing. Yeah. Really. You can burp without it being like that. You can. But I think it's masculine to burp. <laughs> <laughs>